Hello and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, I'm pleased to have on a lit manager at Untitled Entertainment, who's previously worked at Caliber Media, CIA, The Firm, and Foresight. And the best part, she's a fellow Trojan. Uh, welcome to the show, Jennifer Ow. Thanks for joining us today, Jen. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Um, so it's great to have you. This is our sort of Thanksgiving episode. So happy Thanksgiving, early Thanksgiving. Lovely, you as well. Um, and so we normally like to start off our podcast to finding out a little bit more about you. I mean, we have sort of your resume-ish, um, but can you talk about a little bit about your background and sort of what inspired you to work in the entertainment industry in general when you first got that itch? Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, I, I am SC film, um, mm-hmm. undergrad uh, critical studies, um, but I intended to be a college professor. Um, oh, wow. I didn't even know about the business that it existed, um, but I am a lifelong lover of film and television. I've been only child to so spend a lot of time, um, particularly with my dad, watching, you know, TCM and AMC and then grew up on, you know, the Nick at Nights and the Mary Tyler Moore Show and Taxi and, you know, all the Fred Sturge Ginger Roger musicals back in the day. So um, I've definitely loved it all of my life, um, but I didn't really realize there was an industry at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happened to be interning my last semester at SC for Foresight Unlimited, mm-hmm. uh, production company, development, film sales, um, and they offered me a job. And, wow. you know, I decided really my, in my senior year that I didn't feel like going into a PhD program. I didn't want to go into the ivory tower, publish or perish kind of system, plus going into all of that debt. Um, and right. I didn't really know what I was going to do. So when I got the job offer and I really liked them at the company and I said, great, let me just, let me try this and see what it's all about. And, you know, fell in love with it and, and, you know, the business as a whole. And I love the fact that we are the intersection of, you know, art and commerce mm-hmm. in our day to day. Right. Um, and kind of found my way through, you know, various jobs to literary management. Um, and for me, because I'm very left and right brain, it really is a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you are going to work in, in this business, there are so many different things you can do within it, that it's about finding the thing that you love and, you know, that you're great at. Right. Uh, because it's going to take 110%. Mm-hmm. of everything you have um, for, you know, years to grind it out, to get where you want to go. Um, so you have to be not only have the skill set for whichever career path you choose in our business, um, but also the passion for it. Right. Now, you talk about um, rep- your transition to representation from, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your position at Foresight, but you've also worked at Caliber, the firm, and at an agency, CIA, which I've also worked mm-hmm. at, both alums there, and USC, I guess. Um, but why did you choose uh, management as opposed to agency side? Mm. Well, I feel like, you know, as, as managers, you know, I love the fact that we are, you know, normally early on in discovering voices and helping build careers. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're very hand in hand. Um, also, the fact that you know, going back to the left brain, right brain, uh, you know, I get to dig in creatively with my clients and help them on their material, um, and not just on their material, but you know, how to pitch, how to present, um, you know, to really just take their careers to the next level, um, and you know, just taking more of that time and having that more proactive approach. Um, you know, it's something that appeals to me um, and, you know, that I enjoy doing. And so, you know, just time-wise, a lot of the, the agents just don't have the time to dig in like that. Um, and so, you know, I, I really liked 
of that aspect of management. Mm-hmm. Now we've, I think I've asked this question once, but the answer was sort of amorphous. And I know that that every day is probably different for you, uh, mm-hmm. but just maybe a typical day. What's a typical day like for you as a manager? I mean, how early does your day start? When does it end? Um, mm-hmm. How many calls and meetings do you take? Because I don't think the average writer understands sort of the volume of of information that that comes to you and has to go out in and out in terms of of, of calls mm-hmm. and scripts and you know things need to get read, things that need to get emailed. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could just describe like a typical day for you as a manager. Sure. You know, um, I would probably say that, you know, I'm around maybe 6.30, 7 in the morning. Um, and then, you know, I try to get the, the workout meditation time in. <laughs> um, but I do um, normally am reading something every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that is a client's treatment, a pilot, a submission, I am looking at something or more than one thing time depending in the morning. If I have to go to a breakfast meeting, then I'm going to go to that, then I'll be in the office. Um, I try to keep my mornings clear of meetings generally. Uh, for my personal thing, that's when I'm, you know, getting on the conference calls. Um, you know, if I'm going out with any pieces of submission, it's then. Um, you know, and it's just because there's, in terms of the the timing of the day, industry lunches standards are, you know, one o'clock. So from one to two, you're generally not reaching people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if someone has to travel, then that's twelve thirty to two thirty. Um, so, you know, you're rolling calls in the car, doing all of that. So if I'm taking general meetings or, you know, I'll normally take them in the afternoons when I have more of a chunk to do other work before and after. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll generally have, you know, a couple a day and definitely a number of conference calls. Um, and then if I have a work drink or dinner, I will do that. Um, and then I will, you know, go home and, and I, I normally read something every night as well. So, and, and that's during the work week. Right. Um, and I actually try to get some sleep. So <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of those things. But, yeah, it's, you know, it definitely changes kind of day to day based on, you know, what if, if there's something specific that has to happen that week, you know, or if I know a client is coming into town from somewhere else in a couple of weeks, then I'm going to make sure that my focus for that day is making the calls I need to so I can line up the meetings that they'll have, mm-hmm. um, you know, in advance of that. But that's sort of like a general day. Right. Yes. So, yeah, there's the – and the and the reason for meetings and calls and all that, that varies. Right. So, no, absolutely. Follow-ups, deal calls, business affairs calls, you know, <laughs> just general advice. Yeah. It runs the gamut. Um, and we get asked a lot. And I don't think that there is a specific one answer fits all for the question, but is there a better time of week, of day, or even of year, again, we're heading into the holiday season, is there a better Mm -hmm. time to query? Because we know a bad time would probably be staffing season, would be development, you know, there's certain times of the year that are bad. What would times of the year, or maybe even specific days or times of the day or whatever mm-hmm. that may be slightly better than other times. Right. Yeah. And I think that, that very, you know, it does vary. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, features year round television, you mentioned during staffing season, not, not ideal to try to get a representative during staffing season. Right. <laughs> you know, um, that just lay the groundwork before, um, you know, I would say that really first thing Monday morning or, you know, at, at Friday afternoon, you know, are, are times where I don't want anything else in my inbox. Right. You know, because I'm dealing with as soon as, 
you know, and, and one thing I didn't mention about my, my day as well are, the, you know, the staff meetings and, mm-hmm. you know, the weekend reads and getting back to people from the reading that you did over the afternoon or the weekend, rather. So, you know, Monday morning a lot of times is you know, anything that has to be handled quickly um, or that's come up or all of that. And so you won't necessarily get my fullest attention then. Um, I do know some people that like, you know, if it happens to come in over the weekend, you know, they'll see it because there's not much coming in. Um, but also, you know, we all have our weekend reads and what we have to do and, and you know, that might end up going to the bottom of the pile for someone. Right. Um, because then it's like, okay, I don't have to deal with this over my weekend. So I'm only dealing with what I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Another question we get asked a lot, and it's it's tough for newer writers to sort of gauge what is authentic, what is serious and what is real and what is sort of blowing smoke. But we get asked a lot about uh, by aspiring writers asking if they should get an agent or manager if they have, quote, like have a bunch of producers interested in my spec pilot, feature pitch, whatever. Um, But we know that 99.9% of that type of interest really doesn't mean anything. I mean, when is interest real enough for a new writer to sort of seek out representation? How can this writer tell what is real and what is sort of, again, smoke? And how do they express that to you or, you know, in a query? Oh, well, you know, I I think in terms of real interest, is is there an offer on the table? Mm -hmm. You know, um, there is a lot of, great, I want to read it. And, you know, people wanting to read something does not equate necessarily real response on, on my end. Right. Um, or if someone says they like something and they're passing, you know, like I say, that's great that you have a new relationship with someone who could be a fan. Um, but also, you know, I, I don't just jump in for a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not a one-off type of person. So um, for me, you know, if someone just has a deal on the table, I might just tell them to go get an entertainment lawyer if they don't have one. You know, if you need someone to just uh, do that, it's it's you know, it's about the whole thing. Is it is it time for management? Mm-hmm. You know, um, is it time to have that conversation or isn't there? Um, but yeah, sometimes it's it's even if there is a deal on the table, it might not be uh, the perfect you know moment for for that person or for me personally. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's um, that that's kind of a, a general kind of guideline. Right. Now, assuming a, a writer has just finished their great spec feature or p- original pilot, um, hopefully not their first completed script, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they finish what they feel is a great piece of material. What do you recommend mm-hmm. as the next step, other than obviously starting on the next script, which sh- should be on every writer's mind? Um, but yeah. what do you think their next step should be? Fellowships, contests, competitions, queries, that kind of stuff. Um, all of the above, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, you should always have a thought to what you're writing next. Um, yeah, look at any of the, the competitions, you know, the, whether it's that's the Nichols, the Page Awards, the, you know, or if you're looking at any of the writers programs like the ABC Diversity or, you know, Warner Brothers or any of those, uh, you know, take a look, you know, you're also going to take a look at the timing of the year, uh, whether that's you know, open or not. Um, but yeah, you know, I encourage also writers to be, you know, students of their craft and also be reading scripts mm-hmm. um, as often as possible. Read the scripts from, you know, the films that you love, the writers that you respect, um, and it's almost learning through osmosis. Right. You know, um, and and seeing what's out there, um, and and I think that's an important part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
obviously quality is far more important than quantity in terms of, of mm-hmm. scripts and material. But oftentimes, if a writer's written only a single screenplay, they're usually not ready. And if they've completed a huge number of screenplays, like I have 27 completed screenplays, uh, the quality is usually not that great either. Mm -hmm. Um, If a writer's only written a single screenplay or has written an inordinate amount of screenplays, should they tell prospective reps? And if so, what should they say? And this is all assuming that you like the script that was sent to you. Right. Um, You know, it's, it's a hard ask because I understand that part of, you know, for us as managers is to help guide that process once you're with us, mm-hmm. you know, but it is, for me, I think the most important thing is to never give me something as a sample of your voice that you do not stand behind, mm-hmm. that you are not ready to show. Um, I, it's very rare for me to sign off of one sample alone. You know, I, I, I really like to, you know, I'm judging on the work that's on the page, I'm also looking at the person in front of me. Right. Um, and, you know, oftentimes I want to be as thoughtful as possible about someone's career and their path. And do I feel like I can be the, you know, see taking that journey with them in the way that they want to. Um, so normally that is multiple pieces of material. But, you know, there have been a lot of instances where I'll say, great, interested, what else do you have? Uh, yeah. which is also a lot of times what you'll hear from an executive. Right. Uh, and, you know, and someone will send me something that is they're writing five years behind. That wasn't ready. That, you know, they feel like isn't their voice, you know, anymore, or their craft has just grown by leaps and bounds. And now that happens to be the last thing I've read. Right. Um, and people in this town have short memories for the most part, um, and that's what you get judged by. Mm-hmm. So yes, if I if you are already my client, you know, and there's a script that you've always loved, then yes, I should absolutely know about that. But if I'm judging you on you know whether you should become a client, uh, then I whatever you're presenting to me should be you know a, the strongest example of your voice. Right. Absolutely. Um, that's good advice. For an aspiring screenwriter with no industry contacts, is mm-hmm. hiring an established entertainment attorney, uh, a viable means of a referral to prospective reps, or is that not something that you would recommend? Obviously, that's there's a financial investment involved in those uh, right relationships. Um, well, yeah, there's a hiring of a person. You know, I think it's it's a question that there are so many variables about mm-hmm. that's hard for me to answer in a, just a blanket way. Because uh, also, you know. A lot of times once you take on an industry attorney, they end up being, you know, they, they end up taking a commission the same way an agent or a manager would once a deal is already, you know, in motion or getting done mm-hmm. versus, you know, hiring one-off situations. So it depends on what your relationship is um, and what what that deal is, is for. If they are just there to kind of look over and, and that's it, and but they're not being invested in a real way, you know, then... It's not in, you know, the way, the way that they'll be making introductions for you. Right. You know, I think it's looking at the type of person you're working with, mm-hmm. the type of lawyer. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I will say that ultimately I think every client or every person rather should have a full team, that you benefit from having an agent, a manager, and a lawyer on your team mm-hmm. because everyone has different relationships, um, especially when you're optioning your original material. I think having a lawyer is key to go through, you know, that long form and make sure that you're protected as right. much as possible. Right, right. 
what what sort of trends do you notice in the spec market, if any? On the feature side? Yeah. You know, I oh, feature that, and TV. I guess we can go both. If, if. Yeah, and I think it's been, you know, I feel like it's been a slower year on the feature side. I hear that a lot. You know, I, yeah, and I think you know, the things that you'll keep hearing are people love thrillers right now, and they want the grounded sci-fis, you know, mm-hmm. the loopers, the source codes of the world. Um, but, you know, what, what it comes down to is we all read so much, right. and that goes across the board, you know, um, that it's about having a fantastic piece of writing that really stands out. Right. I think none of us are from a signing perspective, you know, or even from, you know, the executive perspective, none of us are interested in just okay. Right. So making, you know, what we call like a programmer type of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, people can write in a lot of different genres. You can write whatever you want, but I think it's about being honest um, with yourself about what you write best. And so worth a shot. If you've never tried working a different genre and you want to, then great. Um, but I think that you have to see which is your most natural voice, mm-hmm. what's the most organic, because that will stand out more so than trying to shoehorn into something that it's just not your playground. Right. Absolutely. And in addition, I found that uh, you tend to get pigeonholed, for better or for worse, into a specific genre style and you get known for that but if you try too many different things not only are you sort of that jack of all trades master of none if they can't categorize you i think the execs seem to have and producers seem to have a harder time uh, remembering you because there's so many different writers out there so you sort of want to be put into that uh, a specific category because it helps them remember you for specific jobs when they come up. At least that's what I've found. Yeah, I think branding is helpful, you yeah. know, particularly if you're an emerging writer. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that you can't try different things. Sure. But, you know, I think it's always easier when you're taking one step outside of what you're doing versus changing things completely. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, similar genres, that sort of thing. Um, but also I think that every when the creator, you know, has themes that call to them, that you can look at any genre and see the through lines that make that story theirs. Um, and that goes back to, you know, writing the things that that you love and appeal to you, whether that's certain types of characters or certain questions that you like your work to ask and answer, um, you know, that that is all under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. That's good. Absolutely. Um What's the best thing about being a manager? What are some of the the proudest or more satisfying moments you've ever had in, you know, with one of your clients? Oh gosh, let me see. Well, I you know, I think that there are for me, I will say one of the best parts about it is that I get to work with so many different voices that I love. Mhm. That, you know, you asked me about my day-to-day and and there's some, you know, basics of what we do that end up becoming more routine. Um, but there's nothing I love more than reading something that I just love, that I haven't looked at page count. I don't know how long I've been reading it. I just, you know, curled up, dug in, and said, wow. And I love either discovering those voices or, or reading that draft from my clients. It's like, this is amazing. Um, and being able to work with so many different really talented people um, gives me, you know, a lot more moments like that, um, that it constantly re-energizes me um, to get great work. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you mentioned specifically, it's a really amazing feeling getting a piece of material from your client that just is is amazing. And, and when you read it for the first time, it, you see the, the magic there. Have you ever, without obviously naming any specifics, have you ever gotten, uh, for a client that you really respect, that you think is a really talented writer, gotten a piece of material that you just didn't feel worked? And if so, how do you mm-hmm. handle something like that? Where it's without, you know, they, they think it's amazing and you just, this... Mm-hmm. You, this just doesn't work for you or it just doesn't work at all in your opinion. Mm-hmm. How do you handle something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, I mean, that's, is part of the development process mm-hmm. you know, that I'll, I'll read something and I'm like, look, this, this idea is great. Um, but maybe the pacing's off mm. or I think that it feels too fragmented, you know, or I feel like our protagonist is not defined enough. I don't care about this person. I don't care about their journey. There's always work to be done. Right. You know, I think for me, you know, I like to start off with the macro notes. Um, so, you know, if someone's shirt is purple and not yellow, unless it's really integral to your plot, I don't care. Right. You know, but, you know, I do need to know throughout certain points of my script, you know, who, you know, who is our main person? Why do I care? What journey are they on? Get me invested. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard because I think some people want the answer of, you know, how can you, know, you can hit all the beats you want. Um, but, you know, it's about so much more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there are certain, when, when I say that, you know, I think there are certain things, of course, like the, again, the, the pacing, you know, the structure, character development, all of that, you know, all of that's really important. Um, but I've seen people break those rules that they write in this incredible magical way and then it doesn't matter. I'm not looking for the small stuff when I am in it. Um, but, you know, to, when, when I do have that, those are the conversations that I will have. Right. You know, a large part of, of my work is developing material. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to be thoughtful. And, and I think, look, it's never my way or the highway. You know, I think it's also a conversation because I'll say something like, I'm bumping up against this. Did you mean to do that? Right. You know, or this is how I'm seeing it. And because I, I think a lot of times writers, you know, they have this whole world in their head. They're creating something from scratch. It's an incredible gift. Um, but that means that a lot is left in their head that maybe didn't make it onto the page. Mm-hmm. And so a part of that conversation is for me to say, this is how I'm reading it. And this is my issue because I'm reading it like this. Did you intend to do that? And then in that conversation, there's a lot of discovery. Right. That makes complete sense. And I, I love the way you elaborate that. So, um, you know, there's a lot left in your head. I like that. Yeah. There's, you know, they'll say, oh, well, I imagine this. And I was like, great, because... You know, you actually didn't write that. You know, I can see why you might think it was implied. Right. Uh, but, you know, but it was, it was just left there, you know, and it's just I, I can only go off of what's on the page. Sure. Absolutely. We have uh, a few listener questions that uh, listeners have sent to us that I want to throw yeah, a few your way. Um, the first says, how does a newbie writer know a script is ready for pros to see? Uh, spend money on professional readers, pay for blacklist evaluations, trust your gut, ask your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the checklist. Right. Um, that's amazing. Well, you know, I think for younger writers, one now, I think in the age of you know, new media, this is even easier when you know, you're maybe not in Los Angeles, but, um, you know, I do think it's, it's great that writers have writer's groups mm-hmm. and you get each other's feedback. 
uh, and you know you get opinions not only on the ideas but on the treatments, the drafts, etc. You know, I, I think that there are you know definitely a number of, of great uh, services as well to help you evaluate the material. Um, you know, I, I think it's worth doing you know a draft or two on your own, at least to see mm-hmm. um, and seeing you know, whether you think the story's breaking, because sometimes there's an incredible idea, and then sometimes when you get into writing it, there's no third act. Right. You know, so take the time to figure that out for yourself so you can give someone something to work off of. Right. And I think the common conception that writers' groups are for new writers or young writers, A lot, some writers that I know think that they, oh, I'm beyond that stage. I know a lot of working staff writers, story editors that are in writers groups themselves and they're working paid professional writers and they're still in writers groups. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely something to consider. Um, yeah. I think it's about having, you know, people around you whose opinion you respect and trust. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause sometimes you can't see the force for the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another one. Um, what do you find to be the common traits of the fresh voices that excited you? What do you find to be common mistakes you find in scripts that do not make it? Oh, um, I think the second part of that is easier, so I might take that first. Okay. Um, Grammatical errors are a huge pet peeve of mine. Right. Um, If, if, you know, someone hasn't taken the time to look through their own material, then why should I? I Mm. think it shows a lack of respect for the reader. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, that's, because sometimes you know when someone just ran through spell check, but they didn't actually read the script. Right. Uh, and certain things just get passed. And sure, a couple here or there, you know, that's fine. Um, but you know, I've I've definitely had them where it's like the red pens everywhere, or you know, by page five, I've got a dozen, um, and that's something that does not fly for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's that. And you know, in terms of, it, it's hard to quantify. I put it like this. I say, you know, if someone says what I'm looking for, sure, there's the, the general kind of you know, the, the genre things that I mentioned, like the, the thrillers and the granite sci-fis that I know people are looking for. But in terms of who I end up signing, the material that I gravitate towards, you know, I kind of say it's like the definition of pornography. I don't know it till I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> just I've I've read so much in in my time that it is something that, you know, the the writing and the style and the heart is there that just captures my attention. Right. Um, so it's, it's you know, I, I wish there was an easier answer for that. Um, but, you know, I would just say things that, you know, the craft is there, um, but the voice is there. Right. You know, it's not you just hit the beats, but I, like, I can, I can tell you that if I, I feel like if I had a stack of scripts from my clients right now, blind, I could tell you who wrote what. Oh, that's great. And I think that that's important. Yeah. That you need to, you know, for for the writer, own your voice. And when I have a script from someone like that, you know, it's just, um, and and I'm sitting across from them and and they, you know, they obviously, they're talking about management, about the guidance and all of that, but, you know, they know who they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And passion is, you know, it is something that is electric and it's something that you know we in our business really respond to right it's compelling yeah here's another one that's kind of interesting many of the most talented writers are pretty socially awkward in person 
What do you do when you ha- <laughs> what do you do when you have a client like that, or do you even sign them in the first place? You know, um, yeah, that's true. I, I just you know I tell people if, if they just wanted to be completely solitary, they should become you know novelists and and write in some you know romantic shack in Maine. Um, <laughs> we are we are a business that is very social um, and. It, you have to be very collaborative, um, you know, particularly if you're, if you're in television, you're going to be in that writer's room. Um, you know, I think that's something that I, I do consider mm-hmm. when I'm considering someone for representation. Uh, and there's certain things, though, that I can work with. You know, no one is born knowing how to pitch for the most part. You know, right. there's certain, there's, you know, I will practice pitch with my clients. You mm. know, they'll give me what they think there is. I'll give them outlines. I'll give them samples and I'll run through the pitches with them. Um, and then it just becomes more natural the more that you do it. Right. And I'll try to give, you know, as much helpful advice as I can um, to them to do that. Um, but it is something that I, I do consider. Um, but, you know, I think there are a lot of different factors. Um, I, per- I do have a, you know, no asshole policy. So <laughs> I would rather work with someone who needs help pitching and is a really nice person than someone who's stellar and who isn't a lovely person um, because I'll be spending a lot of, of my time talking to them. Right. <laughs> um, here's one, and I, I'm just going to read it. You have spoken about collaboration with your clients in past interviews. What makes a great idea that when you hear it, you tell your writer to write that one over the others? Do you have advice on what to look for idea-wise when generating that next project? Mm, um, Again, and I don't mean to be obtuse when I say this, but it's really hard to quantify that. Sure. Um, Because I think when I am evaluating an idea – the same way when I'm, you know, taking a read of a script, I am looking at multiple different things. I am looking at it through many different kind of lenses. Uh, one of those things is where does this sit in my client's body of work? Mm-hmm. Is it something new for them? Is it something that they've wanted to try before? Um, have they worked in this genre too often? You know, do they feel like, um, you know, this, this feels like one of many that they've done. What makes this stand out? How is it different? Um, so there's that part of it. And then I'm also thinking about the market. Um, you know, has mm-hmm. something just sold like it? Do I feel like, you know, it's, it's a little overdone you know, right. at, at this point? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different factors going into the evaluation of an idea. And also, you know, there is that that complete X factor of, you know, thinking of, oh, of course, just that feeling, of course, that's a great idea. You know, it's just something that happens that it seems so simple that, you know, yet workable. Right. Uh, You know, and I think some of the best ideas, too, it's, you know, something that feels familiar enough because, and that also feeds into the market thing, but is it something that people understand a little bit, but you are just shifting it 20 degrees and you're finding this new way in that we haven't seen before mm-hmm. um, that makes it exciting and new for us again? Um, so, you know, is it something that people get excited about if I'm going to call them and pitch it over the phone? Right, right. 
Um, oh, and there's also the execution versus pitch idea, you know, because some things just I will listen to idea and I'll say that is, um, you know, I won't know because it could work. <laughs> but for whatever lane it is in, it has to be the best version of that. Right. So I'll only be able to tell in the writing. Right. And then that goes back to the question of, well, where does that fit in in the client's body work? Right. Here's another one. Of the writers you've seen who've grown the fastest, what do you think they did to expedite this growth? Mm, that is a good question. Um, you know, I'm, there is, you know, I will say, when a piece of material hits, sometimes it's out of the blue. You know, it is it is the luck and timing of our business. Mm -hmm. I think the people that, you know, really do excel quickly and, and stay there, you know, mm -hmm. are the ones that are constantly thinking about their personal growth. That they are thinking about, you know, let's say you want to become a showrunner one day, and, you know, I think a lot of writers don't realize how much of a producerial hat they're going to have to wear. Right. So the ones that become smarter, not just about the work on the page, but about the politics of the room mm. and about the politics of the business. Right. And about, you know, listening to the different feedback. And the thing is, I know it's hard for writers. There's a lot of, a lot of noise, you know, there's what you're thinking, what other people are thinking, what your reps are thinking. It's, it's a whole landscape. Mm -hmm. So I know it's not easy, um, but I do think that it's, you know, taking, taking the guidance, taking the thought, um, and, you know, constantly growing as not just a, a creator, but personally. Right. I know you've got a lot going on, and we're getting ready for the holidays, so everyone's trying to wrap up before heading out for uh, Thanksgiving. So we're going to jump mm -hmm. into a section we like to call Reading, Watching, Playing, and Listening. So oh, okay. <laughs> maybe you can tell me what your kind of stuff you're reading now, what you're watching, uh, what you're playing if you play games or instruments, whatever, and listening to. What are you listening to? Yeah. Um, right now, I'd probably say Adele's new album. Okay. Very uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also I, I you know it's it's early, but I love Christmas, so I'm starting to rewatch <laughs> all of the Christmas movies, uh -huh. be they good, bad, in between. Um, I'm a sucker for them. Um, Favorite Christmas so, movie? Gosh, I don't know if there's just one. I do have a, a huge affinity for Love Actually. Uh, yeah, so I hear that I'll, a lot. I'll put yeah. that up there. Um, reading, you know, I, I just a lot of, of material right now when their clients are submissions. Um, but you know, I, I try to keep a book by the nightstand to read a bit of whenever I can. Uh -huh. Um, that just hasn't made a lot of headway. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, um, watching right now. Um, I'm really enjoying Jessica Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there are some great, you know, comedies right now that's casual, on Hulu, Catastrophe on Amazon, I've really enjoyed as well. I haven't seen either um, of those. So yeah, I, I would recommend. I think that they're they're really talented um, folks um, on the creator side and also on the talent side um, on either of those. Um, but yeah, I, I wish I had more kind of time to dig in. Um, you know, the how to get away with murder, of course, the, yeah. the Shonda Camp. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, the, the few and far between, <laughs> you all get to have the the downtime for the binges. Right. Um, and playing anything? Do you play any games on your phone and the Xbox and PC? Anything like that? Uh, the occasional Candy Crush. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> um, but other than that, um, yeah, the the um, don't don't have any others. I think I regularly tap into. 
hey, Candy Crush is fun. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, but yeah, board games whenever there's board game night, but nothing regularly. Gotcha. So. Um, and lastly, do you have any advice for aspiring screenwriters, or is there anything else you'd like to share? Oh, well, you know, I think that, you know, this this business, on, on average, it takes years for writers to break, and right. I know how hard it is. And, you know, I think it can be very discouraging, and, and it is, I think, a blessing and a curse that there is no one way to success for anybody in our business. You can ask right. anyone how they started, and I'm sure you've heard it on <laughs> all of your interviews, but no one gets to the end game the same way. Um, and there's also no set path to promotion. We are not a gold watch, play golf kind of industry. Right. You know, that you get at a certain time. Um, you know, I think everyone's building and hustling in the best sense of that word. Um, so, you know, I'd always just say, you know, remember why you love what you do and, you know, be passionate about it and, you know, dig in and know that it takes a while for, you know, many different people. It's not just a personal thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's um, something that I would remind people of and to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. That's good advice. Well, thanks for coming on the show and chatting with us today, Jen. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And do you have social media? I looked on the Twitters and, and didn't find... Do you have a Twitter? Oh, gosh. Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I barely Facebook. Um, okay. And, yes, I think I'm probably the, the least tech-savvy person of my generation. <laughs> uh, but, yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there, there's a Facebook. Um, other than that, um, not not really. Okay. Good to know. Sorry to disappoint on that front. <laughs> no, no worries. No, you're probably doing more important things than uh, tweeting what you had for lunch. That's good. <laughs> and if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And uh, thanks again, Jen, for joining us. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you all for listening.